Worship, Tom. Great job. God bless you and Anthony and Mike and the testimonies, Brother Bill. They've just been incredible, inspiring to me. And uh, it's certainly been worth the drive for me to be here, be in worship, and just to hear how God's moving and uh, see His faithfulness. All of us uh, have probably faced storms at one time or another. I've often said, you know, I, I'm really, I grew up in Kentucky. I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky and uh, was a member of a Glendo Baptist Church for many years. Richard Oldham, probably some of you remember him, and uh, a lot of preacher boys out underneath that church. But he, I can remember him saying, I quote him often, but he would always say, uh, you're, either, uh, you're either just coming out of a storm, or you're in a storm, or you're headed for a storm. And I thought, well, that's great encouragement, but that's true. The longer I've lived life, the more I realize that's true. The good news is we have a Savior that will go with us in our storm. Amen. And I really have, have really struggled with what to, to share just to kind of wrapping your conference up. And again, I'm honored and humbled to be here today. And I, I, want, to, I want to draw your attention just to a scripture verse. It's, uh, it's Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 8. Or, and it talks about um, how Philip it's, uh, is filled with the Spirit of God. I just want to read it to you. And then let me just springboard off that just for, for a few comments. And I know... Uh, your time's valuable, so uh, thank you again for inviting me to be here. I'm honored and humbled. Acts 4, 8 says something interesting. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but you know, when I'm studying the Word, these phrases kind of leap out at me, you know, and I'm reading the Bible, you know, and I'm reading Acts 4. You know, Acts 3 is that incredible chapter where Peter and John show up at the temple, right, and the lame man's there. He's been lame from birth. The Bible says he's in his 40s, right, and they placed him there strategically before the, the worship center of the temple, hoping that maybe God's people, if anybody ought to have compassion, maybe they would. And so Peter and John come upon him, right, and said, uh, you know, he, I need healing. And Peter says that great statement that we always quote, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have you rise up in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And the Bible says strength comes to his limbs and his legs, and he begins to leap and praise God, and they go off and work. That, that's in Acts 3. And uh, then we come to Acts 4. And uh, the religious leaders of that time were kind of ticked off at Peter and John for that healing. They were upset they didn't know how to handle it because Jesus was kind of stealing their thunder. And so in frustration, they throw Peter and John in jail. They really don't know what to do with them. So they just put them in jail. That's the beginning of Acts 4, Acts 4, 3. You can look at it yourself. They put them in jail, put them in custody there. And then they, they pull them out to, give, to ask them what in the world happened. And it's interesting how the Bible describes this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It's as, if, um, it's as if God wanted us to know which Peter he was talking about. You know, in those days, Peter was a very common name. And so uh, there were a lot of Peters. And so it's as if God was saying, I want you to know which Peter I'm talking about. For example, he could have said, then Peter, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus. And the people in the day would say, oh yeah, I know which Peter you're talking about. He's always hanging with Jesus. Yeah, I know him. Or the Bible could have said, well, you know, Peter, he was a fisherman from Galilee. And then we would say, oh, okay, yeah, I, I got you. I, I know which Peter you're talking about now. Or he could have said, then Peter, um, you know, Peter, one of the leaders of the early church. And we would say, oh, sure, I know who you're talking about now. But it's interesting how the Bible puts this, fellas. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that Peter. I, I know the Peter you're talking about. His reputation goes before him. He walks with Jesus. I, I know who you're talking about. He's filled with the Spirit. So I, I would just like to leave you this challenge this afternoon. And I give it to myself before I give it to you. Fellas, if it was ever time that we needed 
the men of God to stand up and be filled with the Spirit of God. It is now. Our culture's falling apart. Our nation's in a mess. Our churches are struggling. Our communities are under attack. Discord, hatred, bitterness, racism, prejudice, on and on. Our country is split right down the middle. And if there was ever time the men of God needed to stand up in the church of God and be filled with the Spirit of God, it's now. And so I just want to kind of challenge you with this. Here's what I want you to think about. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, there are some things that will happen in your life. They happen in Peter's life. Number one, when you're filled, you may ask, say, today, Pastor, how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit of God? Let me give you a little test today. <laughs> Number one, you'll possess unusual courage and boldness when you're filled with the Spirit of God. I won't take time to read it. It's Saturday afternoon. The football games are going. I get it. And I don't know what time Louisville's off. I know Kentucky, they don't need to play this year anyway, but Kentucky plays then. I get it. But, but here's what happens in Acts, in Acts 4. Uh, they bring them in, Peter and John, to give them a defense, to give them an opportunity to defend themselves. Say, what's happened? What did you do, right? Uh, what, 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 tell us about this healing, right? And, and Peter and John launch into something pretty incredible. It's where we find our text. Peter veiled the Spirit. He says to the rulers and the elders, these people who've just thrown him in jail, if this day we're being judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, the lame man in Acts chapter 3, uh, then let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ and whom you crucified, whom God raised the dead, by him this man shall stand here before you whole. And this is the same which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, but there is no other name given among him whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, they were amazed, and they realized they had been with Jesus. I just want to point out to you the great courage and boldness that came over Peter and John at this moment. Peter says, if you're calling us in here to ask us how this fellow got healed in Acts 3, well, let me just, let me just, we might say in Kentucky, let me just shuck the corn for you. Let me just tell you exactly. And I'm telling you, Peter goes to preaching the gospel, man. He looks at them and says, you builders, you're the one. You rejected him, and it's by Jesus Christ that he's been here. It ain't John. John ain't that good. It ain't Peter. I'm not that good. It's by the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, while I'm at it, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, Peter and John just began to preach the gospel. Now here's my question. Where did that boldness come from? It didn't come from a seminar. It didn't come from a conference. It didn't didn't come from a book he read. It didn't come from some program he attended. I'm telling you, that boldness from God came from the Holy Spirit of God. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, there'll be a holy boldness that comes over you ever so often. I remember I was pastoring in Louisville, Kentucky, and we had a precious lady by the name of Janice Bolton. Janice would sit about three-fourths of the way back every week right on the end where some of these fellows are sitting, and, and we prayed for her husband named Smokey, and I'd never met Smokey. Everybody told me about Smokey. They said he's mean as a snake. He'd been in the Navy all of his life. He didn't want anything to do with God. He was kind of a dangerous fella, and she kept praying for him. I need Smokey to be saved. I need Smokey to be saved. And, and we prayed for years. I was at that church for ten years, and about six or seven, eight years into ministry, one day Janice came down and said to Pastor, would you go visit Smokey? Uh, I think he would see you. He's just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. 
And I said, well, I'd be glad to do that. She asked me on a Sunday, and some fellows were standing around me, and they told me, Pastor, you better take some security with you. This dude's rough now. I'm telling you, he's mean as a snake. And so I said, well, let me go check it out first. And so that was on Sunday. I showed Tuesday afternoon to Smokey and Janice's house. Smokey was sitting out in the driveway. I'll never forget it, just like it was yesterday. He was in a lawn chair, uh, no chair beside him. He was just sitting in the driveway, and I pulled up, and... He just kind of stared off, and I introduced myself, and I tried to talk with him, and I knew every, I tried everything I could to kind of break the ice with him. We talked about sports, and we talked about politics, and we talked about the weather, and I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to break the ice with him at all. I never could get through to him. He just sat there, and I just stood the whole time while he's sitting. And finally, I just leaned over to him, and I said, Smokey, let me ask you something. You've probably been a gambler in your life. He said, oh, yeah, some folks have told you. I'm pretty rough, dude, and I've gambled a few times in my life. And I, I don't know what came over, Brother Mike, I tell you. I just leaned over to him, and I said, well, let me tell you something. For the longest time, you've been telling me there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no, there's no hell, there's no eternity. I, I understand. Let me ask you a question. What if you pray and invite Christ into your life, and there's no God, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no eternity? And I mean, what have you lost? Maybe a little embarrassment because you prayed to a God that didn't exist. But I leaned over and I said, what if I'm right and you're wrong? What if there is a God? What if there is a heaven? What if there is a hell? And what if there is eternity? And I forget this. I took my fist and uh, I won't hurt you. I know I, know I look like bear, but anyway, I know I'm not going to hurt you. But I, I leaned over to him and I said, you just think about that. I just kind of thumped him in the chest four or five times and I turned around, I, I just got in my car, I drove off. I was looking in my rearview mirror the whole time, making sure he wasn't going to shoot me or anything. And so I got home and I pulled all the drapes and I locked the doors and pulled it in. My wife said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I just punched Smokey in the chest four or five times. And that was on Tuesday, Wednesday, I was at church and Janice came in and she said, what did you say to Smokey? And I said, why, is he here? <laughs> and she said, no, but he hadn't been able to sleep and he'd like for you to come back. I went back the very next night on Thursday. I'll never forget, I pulled in the driveway and the Smokey wasn't in the lawn chair. He was standing up on the porch and he had the door open and he waved me on in. He said, come on in here, preacher. And he looked at Janice and said, Janice, get this boy some sweet tea. And we sat down and he said, I've been thinking about what you know. Making a long story short, he said to me, you know, I've been thinking about giving my life to Jesus, but if I did, I, I'm just afraid all those people in your church wouldn't accept me. They know the kind of life they've lived. They, they know me. I grew up here and... If I walked in that church, the roof would cave in. Preacher, it's been so long since I've been in church. I said, I'm going to tell you something. So you give your life to Christ, you show up, I'm going to tell you there'll be a party in our church. There'll be a celebration like you've never seen in your life. It'll be the greatest day of your life. And on that Thursday afternoon, we got on our knees. I could take you to this spot in Louisville, Kentucky, and Smokey gave his life to Christ. That next Sunday, Smokey and Janice were sitting right where Janice always sat. And I came in the back, kind of designed like that service had already started, and everybody was looking toward the front and singing and Smokey was on the end right by, I'm telling you, he had on brand new clothes. I think he had a jacket he just bought, had on some shiny penny loafers, a vanilla cover. I just saw, I mean, I never, vanilla cover, never seen anything like it, man. A patent leather shoe, boy. He, he'd just gone out Saturday and got it. He was styling. I leaned over to him. He didn't know I was there. I leaned over to him and I whispered in his ear and I said, Smokey, it kind of startled him. And he said, I said, look up. And he looked up and I said, the roof, it's still there. I told him, hey, at the end of the message, I'll be right down here smoking. You come down here, and I want to meet you right down there. Make a long story short, Smokey came, and he was baptized, and, you know, followed the Lord. It was a beautiful thing. About a year later, I had the opportunity to perform his celebration of life, his funeral. I want to tell you something, fellas. Standing in that driveway, punching Smokey in the chest, 
There was a holy boldness that will come over you ever so often. And it's not, it's not your personality. It's not your charisma. It's not a book or a conference. It's not a program you've attended. It's the Holy Spirit of God that will give you a holy boldness of God. I'll just be honest with you. In these last days, I'm so tired of these weak, timid church members and weak, timid churches trying to hang on. We're just trying to hold on till Jesus comes. It's so dark. Hurry, Jesus. Hurry. We're not going to make it. And I tell you, that's not the church Jesus Christ died for. He said, I'll give you the keys. He said, listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Almighty God. There ought to be a hope. Nothing else, we ought to walk out of here, fellas, with a holy boldness on the inside of us that we cannot get from nothing but the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. There's a boldness. We're not afraid of the enemy. We're not intimidated of his crowd. We're not scared of the darkness. I'm on the winning side. I know who I belong to. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So walk out of this place with your head held high. I'm telling you, stop your foot and throw back your shoulders, look the enemy in the eye and you tell him, I'm on the winning side. There'll be a holy boldness to come. Number two, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you cannot be silenced about the goodness of God. They brought Peter and John in and said, we want you to be quiet. Quit talking about this Jesus, right? And they confer and they send them out. I won't read it. You can read it yourself. It'll blow your mind. They bring Peter and John back in and say, we got a plan. We want to tell you what we want you to do. Which we want you to be quiet. Quit talking about this man, Jesus. Quit talking about him. And Peter responds, is it better to please you or to please God? You be the judge. I'm going to tell you, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you cannot be silenced about the goodness of God. In fact, the Bible says they further threaten them. It's like the fellow said, I don't think you heard us, Peter and John. We're telling you, let us make this really crystal clear. Do not talk about Jesus. Quit preaching about Jesus. Quit singing about Jesus. Quit ministering in the name of Jesus. We're telling you, be quiet. And Peter said, you don't understand. We cannot obey you. We must obey God. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you cannot be silenced about God. Had, you know what would help you know what we need in our churches? We need to go back and remember what it was like when we were lost, when we didn't know Jesus, when we didn't have Christ, and He changed us, delivered us. We've gotten saved and gotten over it. Oh, God, baptize us again in that joy, that passion, that energy. When Jesus Christ changed us, you cannot be... What if Peter said, oh, we didn't understand you wanted to be quiet? Sure, we'll, we'll be, we won't say a word. We, now you've made it crystal clear. John, let's don't say nothing else about it. No, 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 no. Listen, when God does something on the inside of you, you cannot be quiet. I've told my folks, you know, I, I'm getting older. and I, When I go to church, I don't have time to waste time. i told my folks, you can sit there like a novel law, but I'm going to clear me off the spot and have me a little bad because of the fit. God's been too good for me to be quiet. Can I get an amen of the church? Happy day, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away, He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. Hey, where is that kind of joy in most of our churches? Where is that, fellas? Most of us look like we've been baptized in prune juice. Are you serious? I'm saved. Well, if you're saved, you need to tell your face. Evidently, it ain't got the message. You know what I'm saying? You ought to... You ought to see what we see up here leading. You know, fellas sit down, got their arms crossed, got their lips stuck out so far they can sit on and swing their legs. I love God, I just hate people. No, no, it doesn't work that way. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, He'll give you a joy, a happiness. He'll put a smile on your face. You know what? Some of you ought to go back and take the smile the enemy has stolen. He's stolen your smile. He's stolen your laughter. He's stolen your personality. You go back to the enemy's camp and you get what he stole from you. 
I know some church folk, they don't smile, they growl. You ever met those folks? Right? You say, good morning. My family and I, we were in Panama City. We vacationed down there, my wife and my three daughters, and we're down there. We have a couple, Brother Mike, that's... uh, that has a home that has a trailer down there. And so they found out we was in town. They said, hey, could we go to eat with you? And, and, and then maybe y'all could come over for dessert or coffee or something like that. We said, that'd be great. And so we, we went over and we had a meal with them. And then we went to their place, uh, trailer afterwards, and walked in this trailer and just a precious older couple. But they had this little, like a little chihuahua dog. And when I walked in, I don't know why, I guess he was a preacher. The whole thing, just he just kept attacking me, just gnawing at me and slobbering and just a growling. I could have stepped on and killed it, but it wasn't my dog, you know. And so I just kept trying to shoo it away and shoo it away. I was trying to be polite. I was wondering if they ever going to do anything. This thing's still just nipping at my ankle the whole time, just a growling and foaming. And I, I'm pushing him away, pushing him away. Finally, I don't know, it seemed like a half hour, finally the owner, he fell out, he leaned over, he thumped that dog in the head and said, stop it, we don't act that way. And he took his tail between his legs and he, rah, 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 all the way back to the little back bedroom, you know. Afterwards, we got in the car and I told my wife, wouldn't that be good if we could do that with some church members every now and then? Wouldn't that be great, you know? Always whining, complaining. Nobody asked me to sit. Somebody sat in my seat. We ran out of coffee. I just let, the last day I'm over time, I'm not going to tell my church, just going to walk around thumping people. Head. Stop it, we don't act that way. I'm telling you, when God comes into your heart, into your life, you cannot be silenced about the goodness of God. Can I get an amen in the house? Um, number three, I'll just say you put your differences behind you. The Bible says they have one mind and one heart. You learn to get along with the people of God. The Spirit of God will help you get along with the people of God. Amen? Sometimes as fellas, we, we, don't, we don't really get along with folks real well sometimes, isn't that? I appreciate the honesty, the transparency of just kind of being fellows. I just want to tell you, uh, you, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you cannot be mean. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I think about this fellow who's been deserted on the island for five years and didn't think he'd ever be rescued. After five years, finally a a ship shows up. The captain comes on board and uh, comes on shore, and they begin to question the fellow, and they said, well, there's no way you could have lived here five years by yourself. And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, let me show you. He takes them over the hillside and says, look, I built three little huts there. That first hut's where I live. He said, that third hut right over there, that's where I go to church. I built me a place to go to church. And they said, well, what's that second hut in the middle? He said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. A lot of folk like that. Can I get an amen? Let me give you the last one. Let me kind of land the plane this way. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll experience great grace and peace. It's interesting in the last part of chapter 4, verse 33, he calls them, he says that you'll experience resurrection peace. And in fact, he says it this way, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. In that one verse, Acts 4.33, he says there'll be great power and great grace. Great power and great grace. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you experience great power and great grace. Great power, resurrection power. Power that can get you through the storms like we heard these testimonies from our dear brother and this young fellow. Power that, that will not leave you in the midst of the storms. You watch too much Christian television, it can mess you up. So you'll never have a heartache, never have a problem. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. You will have problems. They crucified him. The difference is, he said, I will go with you in your problems. I will, I will take care of you in your storm. So you'll experience great power. There's nothing you face that God doesn't face with you. But then secondly, you, you experience great grace. Great grace. Now, let, me, let me wrap this up of this way. Think about who we've been talking about today, Peter. If there's anybody that needed grace, it was Peter, right? 
I mean, nobody probably has ever dropped the ball like Peter. I, I could develop this and spend a lot of time here, but you know the story well, right? I mean, Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And Peter says, no, I won't deny you. You kidding me? Jesus, I, I'll never die. Man, I'll go to prison with you if need be. I'll die with you. Are you crazy? Do you think I'm going to deny you, Jesus? And he said, oh, no, you don't understand, Peter. Before the day's out, three times you're going to deny me. You'll hear, you'll hear that rooster crow three times you're going to deny No, no, he vehemently denied it, right? You know the story, right? He, he denies, he hears the ro- rooster. Hey, you're one of him. No, 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 not me. I'm not, I'm not around. You've got the wrong fellow. The rooster crows again. Finally, they come to him and say, hey, I recognize your language. You, you were one of his disciples, right? And the Bible says he began to curse and to swear. And that third time, that rooster crows. And the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of Peter met. And Jesus, the Bible says, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Right? Nobody ever dropped the ball at Peter. He finds himself back with the disciples, right? And he begins to confess what happened. And said, fellas, you'll never guess what happened. Peter, it'll be okay. No, no, you don't understand. You, you don't understand. I, I, I told Jesus I'd go to prison with him, and, and I denied him three times, and he told me I was going to do it. And I said, you're nuts, Jesus. I'll never deny you. And the, the time that Jesus needed me the most, I, I, I dropped the ball. I, I denied him. I began to curse and swear. I don't know what came over me. He'll never use me again. Oh, I've ruined my life. He, he was suicidal. He, no one had ever dropped the ball like Peter. But now think about this. Now here's this Peter, and it's this same Peter in Acts 3 with John that walks upon the lame man and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have you, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And rise up and walk. And that lame man, the Bible says, he jumped to his feet, strength came to his limbs, and he began to leap and praise God. To what? It's that, listen to me, it's that same Peter in Acts 3. It's that same Peter in Acts 2 that's preaching at Pentecost, right? And the Bible says 3,000 or say, man, he just preached the cover off the Bible. He preached the gospel and God used him in a miraculous way at Pentecost. It's that same Peter in Acts 2 that preaches. And 3,000 are saved. It's that same Peter now we find in Acts 4 who's standing before the rulers who could throw him back in prison or have his head taken off. And here he is standing boldly and confidently proclaiming to them there's no other name whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. It's that same Peter. What's the difference? Peter filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, can can I show you one last thing and then we'll go. Could I do that? Would that be all right? Look at Mark. One one more verse. I I just got to show you this. Look at the book of Mark. I'll read it to you. Mark 5 through 7. Let let me set it up this way. Two minutes. Watch this. Um, This is the ladies at the tomb after the resurrection, right? They show up to embalm his body, to to take care of the body of Christ, right? And so they come to this scene, these precious ladies do, and here they are at the tomb. And the Bible says in verse 5 of Mark chapter 16, and near in the tomb they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I I love the Bible. The Bible's humorous to me, you know. Here here they are. uh, The Bible says there's this young man clothed in a long white robe. He's sitting on on the right side of the the rock, and they were alarmed. I want to say no duh. I put in parentheses right there, no duh. Sure, of course, absolutely. But then he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. 
He's not here. He's gone. In fact, go in there and check it out for yourself, right? We've got a Savior that's gone. Where's he at? We don't know, but we have a Messiah on the loose, right? He's gone. It ain't good English, but it preaches. He's gone. Look at your neighbor. Come on, one more time. We're about to go. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he's gone. Come on. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. All right, so we got a Messiah on the loose. Hey, I don't know what. This is crazy, isn't it? We, the Bible, this, we, he's not, we, don't, we don't know where he's at, but we just know he's gone. He's not in there. And so the Bible says, verse 8, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said. Wait a second. The go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you'll see him. So here's what happens, right? The ladies go back to the disciples. They say, you're never going to believe what's happened, man. We showed up at this empty tomb. There's this huge rock, and there's some young guy in a white robe. He says, do not be alarmed. But we were, I wasn't alarmed. She was alarmed, but I wasn't alarmed. But you know, anyway, they said, go in there and check it out. We went in there, and there was nothing there. Closed. Go. Messiah's on the loose. We don't know where he's at. I don't know. I, and then the, the angel said, uh, go tell his disciples that Peter, go to Galilee. He's going to meet you there in Galilee. And you can hear the disciples as a holy hush. And Peter says, what did what, you say? He said, go uh, tell my disciples and Peter, I'm going to Galilee and I'll meet you there. And Peter says again, say that one more time. <laughs> he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. He said, my name? Oh, yeah. Come to think of it, he did say your name. Did, did he say Matthew's name? No. Mark's name? No. Bartholomew? Mm-mm. No. Just your name. Why? Jesus fully understood that Peter needed to be restored. He had dropped the ball, but he knew what Peter did not know. He had an incredible plan. He could see Acts 2 in Pentecost. He could see Acts 3 in the lame man being healed. He could see Acts 4 in the rulers here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was going to use Peter again. I just want to say in closing, fellas, there's nobody here, including me, that hadn't dropped the ball. All of us have skeletons in our closet, dirt under our rug. Things we've done, places we've been, things we've said, things we've watched, things we've been involved with, we wish we hadn't. But I just want to tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ is deep enough and wide enough and strong enough to forgive you and set you free. And there's nothing like being clean on the inside. I love being clean on the outside. Don't you? You're hot and sweaty, been mowing the yard, landscaping, I don't know, working in the fields, whatever, harvesting crops, right? You're soaking, smelly, stinky, you know, sweaty, gritty grind. You go inside, man, I'm going to take a shower, right? You get clean, you put on your most comfortable clothes. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's jogging pants, way too big. You just like, you don't want anything, you know, and you get a tea so big you can drink it or swim it. You know, I don't know what you, and you sit on it, and you got that big Coke, that big drink in one end, you got that rope in the other, and you're sitting, you're clean now, you're in your PJs, right? You got the end of a recliner, and you'll say something like this, all oh, this feels so good. Let me tell you something, that's just being clean on the outside pales in comparison to being clean on the inside. Then Peter, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I just want us to close out this Man Up conference this afternoon. Me and you, us, just those fellas in here. God, fill us again with the Spirit of God. Fill us again. Fill us again, God. 
fill me with the Spirit of God. My home needs it. My church needs it. My family needs it. My kids, my grandkids, my wife, my, my, my community, my school. Lord, fill me with the Spirit of God. I want to do something a little different. He'll play in just a minute for us. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Okay? Then I'm going to be gone. Don't worry about it. If you don't like it, I'll be gone in five minutes. No problem. And <laughs> Just don't invite me back. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to do something unusual today. I do this in my church every so often. I'd like for you to get in groups of four or five or six, you know, in a huddle up. And, and somebody who's comfortable, you just pray. And ask God to forgive us and to fill us with the Spirit of God. That be all right? So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you, if you would, just to, to get up boldly, get in groups of four or five or six or seven. It doesn't, you don't have to worry about it. And just huddle up. And then somebody in your group, somebody, one or two of you, lead in a prayer. And then we'll, we'll close out in a minute as Brother Mike, Brother Bill feels led. So just get in a group and then just ask God. Just pray specifically that God would forgive us and then the Holy Spirit of God would fill us. Yeah? Ask for a filling today, would you? Ask God to fill your spirit. Just grab a hand, put your hand on, hands and grab a shoulder next to you or something. Just, just in a group together and let's pray. And you just pray now. Would you do that, fellas?